Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. My name is Spencer Walsh. Thank you so much for joining us here today. On today's show, Trump sought to fire Robert Mueller in December. We'll get you the details of that bombshell story. Um, Raids on Trump's lawyer sought the records, apparently, of the FBI's payment to, uh, to women. Sought records of uh, his payments to women. Sorry, not the FBI's. Uh, and Trump weighs the more robust military strike against Syria. So, will he strike, or will he fire Mueller? Which will he do first? It's gonna, something's gonna happen, I feel like, by the end of this week. Something pretty major is gonna happen, maybe even in the next few days. So, you're gonna wanna stick with us. You are going to wanna stick with us. It's gonna be a great show uh, today. As you can tell by those two, uh, three stories, all of them could be lead stories on any other day. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really an incredible show that we have for you today. Uh, so we'll start with Mueller. All right. So, uh, Trump sought to fire Mueller in December, apparently in early December, Trump became curious about over the news reports about a new round of subpoenas from the office of the special counsel, Robert Mueller, the third, and he told advisors in no uncertain terms that Mueller uh, Mueller's investigation had to be shut down. I imagine if they had tapes in the White House, I wonder how that would have went. Oh my God, I just I just had that thought though. If we if we would have possibly had tapes in the White House, that would have been quite something. I'll, I'll tell you that it was like the same kind of style as Nixon. But, oh, I mean, that would that would reveal that would reveal quite quite a lot, quite a lot, both in terms of the investigation and in terms of the. Uh, mental capacity, let's just say, of Donald Trump. Uh, the president's anger was fueled by reports that the subpoenas were obtaining information about his business dealings with Deutsche Bank, according to interviews with eight White House officials, people close to the president, and other familiar with the episode said. To Trump, the subpoena suggests that Mueller had expanded the investigation in a way that crossed the red line he had set last year year in an interview with the New York Times. So he, he thought that point when they started looking into Deutsche Bank that I do remember that like exact now you're, I was watching the news and then uh, I was like wait a minute this could be big because he's moving he's moving on the finances now and that's going to be a very big thing. So that's that is and this is very interesting here this that is really when he wanted that's when he said you know what enough is enough we need to fire Mueller here. 
uh, in the hours that followed Trump's initial anger over the Deutsche Bank um, uh, reports, after uh, after the hours that followed that burst of uh, initial anger, his lawyers and advisors worked to quickly learn about the subpoenas and were ultimately told by Mueller's office that the reports were not accurate, leading the president to back down. Uh, Trump's quick conclusion that the Runnies News reports warranted uh, firing Mueller is an insight into the Trump uh, into Trump's state of mind about the special counsel, like what he's worried about, where he's worried about. So, I mean, if I were the special counsel, I mean, I don't know if I would have dropped everything that they were doing at the time to go look for it. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty. It's pretty crazy that uh, that's what made him, that finally set him over the edge, that made him want to go fire Robert Mueller. If I were a an, an investigator, if I were in Robert Mueller's posi- position, I don't want to like, presume to say that I have any kind of uh, expertise in the area, but just like investigating someone, that would kind of seem like a pretty big deal if they wanted to get rid of you. Uh, if they all of a sudden want to get rid of you, over uh, this particular thing. I think that would be very, very interesting to me, at least. Uh, yeah, Trump's conclusion, the, the erroneous news reports warranted firing Mueller is a yeah, pretty big insight. Um, despite assurances from leading Republicans like Paul Ryan, the president had not thought about firing Mueller. The December episode was the second time in, uh, Trump is now known to have considered taking that step. The other instance was way back in June when White House counsel Don McGahn threatened to quit unless Trump stopped t- uh, t- trying to get him to fire Mueller. The December episode, which has never been publicly reported, has new resonance. Following the disclosure on Monday that FBI's agent Car- uh Agents had carried out search warrants at the office and hotel room of Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen. In the action, the Justice Department seemed to have walked directly up to, or if not crossed, Trump's red line by examining something that seemed pretty unrelated to Russia. Among the documents the agents had sought were some related to two women who said that they had affairs with Trump, and we'll get to that story in a minute. Uh, and information related to the role of the publisher of the National Enquirer silencing one of the women. So this could have been the FBI on behalf of the Southern District of New York, or this could have been the Mueller part of the investigation. Like, that's what we don't really know yet, or it could have been something for both. It was This, this is kind of like the quote-unquote, and this is going to sound weird, but quote-unquote the taint team. And, like, this, like this, is the, this is the team that's going to get information hold it on, this either for their second investigation, or if they decide it's not attorney-client privilege, is no attorney-client privilege is being violated, and um, and they have information the special counsel will need, they will give to the special counsel, but if not, they'll hold on to it for their own Stormy Daniels investigation. So, like, there's, uh, the Stormy Daniels investigation and the Robert Mueller investigation are both at play here. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, those were the uh, agents. So, um, so here it was the People with affairs with Trump, the information related to the uh, role of the publisher of the National Enquirer in silencing one of the women. So the National Enquirer probably not too happy about that today. It was like Jeffrey Pecker, I believe it is. Um, yeah, so after learning about the raid, though, um, Trump told uh, the president, sorry, the president again erupted in anger. He told reporters the federal authorities had broken into his office and he called it a disgraceful situation and a total witch hunt. So he's also very mad about that because, I mean, maybe, like, who knows what he ha- who knows what he has in here? Apparently, Michael Cohen is like the big guy for him. He's the big guy. He's the guy. He's his right hand man, 
and always has been for quite a long time. He's one of the most pro-Trump guys you'll ever meet. And when Trump told McGahn in June to handle her fire, the president cited a series of conflict of interest issues that he insisted disqualify the special counsel from overseeing the investigation. Among the issues Trump cited was a dispute Mueller had with Trump's Washington area golf course years earlier. Trump told McGahn to tell Rod Rosenstein and uh, the deputy attorney general and Mr. Mueller's superior that the time for Mr. Mueller had to go to go had come. Uh, yeah, so McGahn believed these issues were not grounds for Mueller to be fired and refused to call the Justice Department. Uh, over the next couple of days, Trump pestered McGahn about the firing, but McGahn would not tell Rosenstein the badgering by the president got so bad, McGahn wrote a resi- uh, resignation later, letter and prepared to quit. It was only after McGahn made it known to senior White House officials that he was going to resign that Trump then backed down. So he kind of stopped him there, and, and that was a story that broke like back in February, I do believe. Um, yeah, so the articles pro- that provoked Trump's anger in December were published by Bloomberg, The Wall Street Journal, and Reuters. It said one of Mueller's subpoenas had targeted Trump's and his family's banking records at Deutsche Bank. Uh, Trump's lawyers who have studied the Trump bank accounts did not believe the articles were accurate because Trump did not have any of his money there. So, yeah, so that could be, then it means maybe they were subpoenaing some other things. Uh, that could be, uh, that... That could be true, but we do know those articles published were not accurate. Uh, his lawyers were also able to learn that federal prosecutors in a different inquiry had also issued a subpoena for entities connected to the family business of Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. The news outlets later clarified the articles saying that the subpoena to Deutsche Bank pertained to people affiliated with Trump, who was satisfied with the explanation and dropped his push to fire Mueller. The White House did not respond to an email seeking comment. So, yeah, they're, uh, the point is they're still trying to weigh in. They're they're uh, debating it pretty heavily whether or not they want to um, fire Robert Mueller. Um, and there are some certain things that we know. And so maybe he's going through the same kind of cycle again where uh, he wants to fire Mueller. He begs somebody to do it. They backs down. Uh, sorry, the aide says no. And then Trump backs down. Or maybe... He will fire Mueller this time. This raid will set him off so much. Like they they got to him really good by uh, raiding Michael Cohen, that he will fire Mueller and no one have any time to send him back down again. Like who knows? This will be the question that we'll have to look over for the past uh, for the next couple of days. Something big is happening. I can feel it. Something big can, is going to happen by the end of this week. It's going to be a big week. So you're going to want to stay with us because we have a great tour for you coming on next. This will give you the details in this heavy FBI raid here. So you're going to want to stick around. This is the Spencer Walsh Radio Network. Your show will return in just four minutes. Pendo on the beat.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to today's show. We got a great one for you today, obviously. Uh, all right, so it is about time. We are live, as always, on the Spencer Walsh Radio Network. Obviously, you can listen anytime on the SWRN Podcast Network, which is pretty much wherever you can get your uh, podcast. There, we will have News Flash on it. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the cool thing about it. So... Uh, the FBI agents who raided the office of President Trump's personal lawyer on Monday were looking for records about payments to two women who claim they had affairs with Trump, as well as information related to the role of the publisher of the National Choir in silencing one of the women, according to two people briefed on the investigation. The New York Times reporting uh, by Michael Shear, Matapuzo, and Sharon Lafreniere. Um, the search warrant carried out by the Public Corruption Unit of the United States Attorney's Office in Manhattan saw information about Karen McDougal, a former Playboy model who claimed she carried nearly uh, a year-long affair um, with Trump shortly after the birth of his youngest son. Um, Ms. McDougal was paid $150,000 by American Media Incorporated, the Inquirer's parent company, whose chief executive is a friend of Trump's. Um, so yeah, that's something that we always know that they used to do as like Jeffrey uh, Pecker, uh, who pays off women to say, sell their stories and then he sell them, sell their stories, uh, to them. Uh, like he, he, so pretty much what happens is. He's, he's, he finds a woman uh, who's had an affair with a powerful man and says, hey, you want to sell this to me? It'll be in the National Enquirer. It'll be everywhere. They say, okay, pay the pay the amount of money, sell the rights to the story. No, your story's gone. Your story is gone. Uh, there is no... There is no uh, no story about that coming out anytime soon because they have the rights to the story now. This, this guy, whoever... Um, who, whoever bought the story from you, uh, sorry, David Packer, David Packer, um, he, he's the CEO of American Media, uh, who's a friend of Trump's, the Star, Sun Weekly, World News, Globe, Men's Fitness, Muscle Fitness, Flex, Fit, Pregnancy, and Shape, those are the CEO of the magazines, he's, that's the, uh, magazines he runs, um, he buys off those stories, and you never hear about them once ever again. It, 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 they're down, they're gone, uh, and they will not be seen again. It kind of looks like a little bit of a mix between uh, Geraldo Rivera and John Bolton, in a way. He has that mustache, and then he has that hair color, and those cir- circular glasses. Pretty pretty strange. Uh, anyway, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, he, that's what he looks like, and it is quite a, quite a little strange. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, so the search warrant was carried out by them, and agents who also searched the office in the hotel room of the lawyer, Michael uh, Cohen, for information related to Stephanie Clifford, better known as Stormy Daniels, the pornographic film film actress who said she had sex with Trump while he was married. Cohen acknowledged that he paid Clifford $130,000 a year as part of a non- Disclosure agreement to secure her silence days before the 2016 presidential election. The president reacted to news of the raids on Monday by lashing out at his top law enforcement official, described the investigation in a Twitter post on Tuesday as a total witch hunt 
in all caps with one, two, three exclamation points, and later declined to respond to reporters' questions. But Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House press secretary, refused to say that Trump uh, retained confidence in his attorney general, uh, deputy attorney general, or FBI director. So that's not very assuring. So it's Christopher Wray, um, that is Jeff Sessions, and that is Rod Rosenstein. Um, she also said that Trump believes he has the power to fire Robert Mueller III, uh, the special counsel in the Russian inquiry in a position directly contradicted by federal regulations. Stephen Ryan, Cohen's lawyer, said that it was Mueller who referred uh, who referred evidence in federal authorities in New York who carried out Monday's raids. In an email, um, Ryan appeased his assertion the raids were inappropriate and unnecessary. So the prosecutors be like, I'm going to make the judgment of that, sir. Uh, yeah, so Stephen Ryan, uh, Cohen's lawyer, said that it was inappropriate and unnecessary, which, I mean, from what we know, it isn't. Um, and here's the thing. Like, people are like, what happened? This is unrelated to Russia. For, uh, from what we know, from what I've been seeing so far, there's no name of Robert Mueller or the Russia probe anywhere in this. This, this search was carried out, keywords here, by um, the Public Corruption Unit of the United States Attorney's Office in Manhattan and sought information about Karen McDougal. This has nothing to do with the Russian investigation, so that talking point we can pretty much BS. Uh, we can push out, because from what we can see so far, at least what we can see so far, this is about only um, Trump's ladies, let's just say. Uh, yeah, so Trump has been dogged by months for accusations, uh, by the accusation that women who he has said to have, uh, had affairs with were paid to keep quiet before the elections, charges that, uh, the White House had repeatedly said he denies, uh, McDougal has claimed that she had a 10-month consensual affair with Trump 12 years ago. American Media, which is owned by David J. Pecker, agreed to pay Ms. McDougal, uh, $150,000 for the rights in her, to her story. Uh, August 2016, but did not publish it in a practice known as Catch and Kill. Uh, Miss Clifford, who uh, told her story about which which uh, Catch and Kill, by the way, is what I mentioned before, when you buy someone's story and then you hush it up uh, and it never gets out again because then once you buy someone's story, they, get, they don't have any control over it. They can't tell it. Otherwise, you're infringing on the rights of the person you uh, stole your, sold your story to. Um, yeah, so that's the a tough situation there. Clifford told the story about uh, an affair with Trump to CBS at 60 Minutes last month. Is challenging the non-disclosure agreement in October 2016. Uh, she agreed to receiving $130,000 in return. It's unclear whether or why the New York investigators are examining the payment, but critics of the president has claimed that they amount to illegal campaign contributions because they helped Trump win the White House by suppressing pol politically damaging stories. So this is $130,000. It does seem kind of stretchy that they would decide to go there, but, um, well, we will find out how it how it turns out under the law, I guess you could say. So uh, the FBI also searched for records related to Cohen's New York taxi cab business, apparently a separate line of inquiry unrelated to Trump. Uh, 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 Cohen is a longtime owner of taxi medallions at one point operating more of 
um, a fleet of more than 200 cabs in Manhattan. So he has that little taxi business there on the side. Besides arranging um, Mr. Trump these searches in the early morning yesterday, uh, Associates said, also led him to privately wonder why, why he's, uh, whether he should fire Rod J. Rosenstein, the veteran prosecutor appointed by Pre- uh, President Trump to serve as the Deputy Attorney General. Rosenstein personally signed off on Monday's FBI decision to raid the office of Cohen, the several government officials said. So Justice Department regulations require prosecutors to consult with the senior officials in Washington, but not necessarily the Deputy Attorney General before conducting a search of lawyers' files, which is among the most delicate steps federal prosecutors can take in investigation. So, yeah, this is going to be very, very, very serious um, uh, to go through not the person's uh, stuff, but the, in fact, lawyer's stuff. That's definitely something that's uh, not done very often. Um, Yeah, it's almost, it's actually pretty unprecedented. Uh, Trump's been mistrustful of Rosenstein for a long time, who appointed Mueller and now oversees the investigation. In his remarks on Monday night, the president lashed out for Rosenstein uh, for having signed a FISA warrant, um, a reference to a role Rosenstein played in authorizing the wirehead tap of a Trump associate in the Russian inquiry, which was justified, but something that the Trump people don't think is very justified was the subject of the Nunez memo uh, that got so much stink. Uh, I think like a few months ago. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that, that'll that do for this story. Coming up next, what to do in Syria. That's in 45 seconds. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. Syria is what we have next on our plate today. Um, yeah, so President Trump and his advisors on Tuesday weighed a more robust retaliatory strike uh, on against Syria than last year's missile attack, reasoning that the only esca- uh, reasoning that the only escalation of force would look credible and possibly serve as a deterrent against further use of chemical weapons on Syrian civilians. A pair of Navy warships in the eastern Mediterranean Sea were capable of launching some sort of missile barrage that Trump ordered against the Syrian airbase a year ago in response to a chemical attack that then killed more than 80 civilians. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty rough attack. Ivanka uh, showed Trump uh, the pictures of the dead children. He was more um, more invested to take aim. We uh, did cover that live. So one of our first breaking news stories in the history of the show. So that's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, but White House and national security officials worried that an operation of the same scale as punishment for another suspected and deadly attack that killed dozens over the weekend would not be effective at curbing the Syrian military war effort. Uh, administration officials said they had expected any new strike to be more expensive than last year's. The question was how much more. So if they do it, we know they will go harder than they went last year. 
Uh, possible option including hitting more than a single target and extended strikes beyond a single day. But even so, Trump remains reluctant to deepen American involvement over the long term. So that's one of the few things where I'm going to press this button for Donald Trump, which I never thought I'd do. Yes, yes, that's what you have to do, Trump. Do not keep us involved on the long term on this. This is something that you've been consistently all talk, no action on. You have not had any of the principle and the backbone required to come out, come in and stand up with these people who are going to be badgering you. They're going to say, stick in this war. Um, but, I mean, you need to stand up with these people. That's how you're going to get out of it. The people in the Pentagon who talked to you the first time, Trump, are going to be like, you know, we need to stay in this war here, sir. Uh, respectfully, I think you're going off your rocker here. Uh, and this is the that that's 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 going to be a struggle for you. You're going to you're going to need to outclass them. You need to outpower them in every way. So uh, yeah, that's going to be your problem. Um, how long do you want to go? Are you going to withdraw troops but hit them for every airstrike? I don't think they should probably extend past a single day, but that seems to be unlikely. Uh, so Trump and his team enlisted support uh, for actions against the government of President Bashar al-Assad. American officials expressed confidence that they would have the backing of France, which has been vocal about the need for a strong response, as well as Britain, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar, all of which called for Syria to be held accountable for the suspected chemical attack. It remained unclear whether any of the allies would participate. So um, American officials expressed confidence, again, they would uh, like France, um, Britain, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar are also seem to be on their side here. Um, uh, they all call Syria on Syria to be accountable, but I'm I'm certain they probably had some other kind of communications the U.S. and those countries beforehand. Uh, Trump canceled a trip to Peru and Colombia. He's probably like yes, uh, to uh, that was scheduled to start Friday to oversee. The response to the Syria attack, but as of early evening, he's made no comment on Syria. As of yesterday at noon, he said 24 to 48 hours would be the time frame. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, that he said he would he would make some, some sort of decision on. So, as of yesterday at 12, so either today or tomorrow at around 12, there will be something that's going to go down here. So, the decision will be made and the action sooner will be carried out. Uh, yeah, so he said, we are suffering this, we see the suffering of the Syrian people, and me and the president, we see eye to eye that this matter has to stop immediately, we cannot tolerate a war criminal, we can tolerate someone who has killed more than half a million of his own people, which is pretty, pretty much atrocity, uh, no one should be allowed to live, uh, like that, and obviously, you can kill, um, you can, you can, uh, come in and take him out, the U.S., if they went all out, if they went full force, the sheer strength and might of the military in Syria would be pretty hard to stop. But here's the thing. We know we do not want another Iraq. Is it really necessary? Why are we watching an offensive, uh, launching an offensive war, uh, an unoffensive war against a country that did not attack us in the first place? That's going to be the real question. Uh, so that we will still have to, um, uh, negotiate here. So Trump spent part of his day huddled with John Kelly and John Bolton, his new uh, national security advisor and other officials, but his spokeswomen de- declined to discuss the deliberation. So he, as Huckabee Sanders says, uh, all options are on the table, but I'm not going to get ahead of, ahead of anything the president may say 
or may not do may or may not do in his response to what's taking place in Syria. Heavily backed by Russian air support and Iranian ground forces, Syria is in a different league than adversaries in other places where the United States is at war. Unlike the Islamic State in various parts of the Middle East, the Taliban in Afghanistan or the Shabab in Somalia, the Syrian government has extensive air defense and missile systems capable of shooting down foreign planes. Sending bombers and fighter jets with American and French pilots to strike the Syrian airfields or the facilities or other facilities, sorry, is considered risky because it could deepen the conflict if a pilot was shot down, so that could be the main problem. So sending actual people would be the main escalation. That would be something that would seem to be a little bit risky. I think that's something they should not do because they're if an, if if they get one of us, we're gonna need to retaliate further. Like if they retaliate in the middle of their our retaliation, that creates another retaliation, and then sooner or later you got a war going on. Um, uh, that's why the uh, Pentagon is looking at the same sort of retaliation last year uh, used last year uh, when two navies destroyed and leaked a fifty nine Tomahawk cruise missiles at the Al Shirat airfield that was believed to have used to launch the chemical attack. So that's what they. That's the uh, thought they had in mind there when they um, sent out those 59 Tomahawk missiles and there was no pilots. And if they do pilots, then that could just lead to a further escalation. But, I mean, again, I would, if they're going to do something, I mean, I would say keep it small and let's actually be efficient here. Like, let's not be like Assad and kill civilians and let's get out of there after this. Like, we, we need to let things kind of, we need to see what happens for once with... When Americans are not taking up all the space in the Middle East and see if they can maybe, just maybe, get themselves into some peaceful state for once in their lives. Um, yeah, so sending bombers and fighter jets, that could be a little bit of a problem, but less than 24 hours after the strike, Syrian warplanes were again taking off in the damaged airfield, according to the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, which is a monitoring group. Uh, beyond the al Shirat base, Syria had numerous others from which it can still launch flights, so that was not really effective. Uh, that effect, um, that uh, whole situation was really kind of lame. Uh, so that's going to be something to do. That's what Trump is weighing right now. And where he will fall will determine a lot for the future and the lives of innocent uh, Syrians down the road.